Welcome to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast from the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recording live at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisory Group Studio. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at LAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out our Facebook page. You can search Coach Bo Knows Show. You'll find it there. You can also email us, connect with the show at Coach Bo Knows Show at gmail.com. This is episode 16, and uh, this is going to be kind of a Coach Bo rant. No, no guests this week. No guests needed. We're going to have some fun, just me talking about some football, some other things going on in the sports world. But I want to start with a couple of things just kind of personal and throw some things out there. So uh, if you've been listening to me for a little bit, you'll know that uh, one thing I do, I'm a financial advisor by trade. That's my actual business. And I am really pleased that uh, I've been in part of a networking group here locally in Lawrence, Kansas for seven years called BNI River City Referrals. And as a... Every year we come together, there's 30 of us, about 30 of us, 25 to 30 of us in the group at any time, and we all refer business to one another. It's a great way of helping each other out, build our practices, but also it adds a lot of value when I can tell my clients to work with this person and get them to this person when they have needs, that sort of thing. And I want to shout somebody out. So um, one of our great partners in this group is Remax Excel, uh, the Northrop team, the TNT team. Larry Northrup, um, his partner Debbie Heinrich has been a member of our group uh, since the beginning. Uh, when I was the first, I was the first president of our group. She was my vice president, and at the same, we've gotten to know each other very well. I've gotten to know her business partner Larry over the years. I've done work with them personally. They helped me purchase a home. They've helped me uh, sell a home. They've helped friends. They've helped family. They've helped clients, and they're just wonderful people. Um, if you're local here in the Lawrence area, if you're in Topeka, if you're in the Kansas City market, I want you to look up the Northrop team, the TNT team. Um, you can check them out, Remax, Excel. Um, they are wonderful people. And we had our little week, yearly holiday party. We all come together. We go to one of the houses of one of the people. And there's, you know, again, there's probably 40 or 50 of us at the party. And we exchange presents, and we do some different things. And it's, it's a great time had by all. We all have, you know, everybody gets Christmas parties or holiday parties this time of year. And we did one this year, as we always do. The Northrop team decided to do something special. As a thank you to us, they came in and brought some presents, and we had some drawings throughout the night. Um, and someone who I love and admire a great deal actually won something really, really cool. And... Uh, was happy for her, um, and at the same time, I just wanted to say thank you to Larry Northrup, uh, Larry, Debbie, the whole squad over there. If you're local here, like I said, if you're looking to buy a house, to sell a home, uh, need help with something along those lines, they're great people to talk to, and I'd highly recommend them, and uh, they just proved it again this past weekend. I also want to give a shout out to that same group, and then a lot of our friends, a lot of clients here at O'Connor Advisory Group as well. As we were putting together, we are partnering with New Chiropractic here in our building where uh, the O'Connor Advisory Group uh, calls home with uh, New Chiropractic as well as Vernique Arts. And um, we did a little fundraiser for Toys for Tots. We raised about $1,200. We went shopping twice in the last month, the last week, to buy presents for uh, Toys for Tots locally here in Lawrence. 
And uh, it just makes us feel so good. It made me personally feel so great to go shopping Friday night to help buy 60 presents for local kids. And that was our second run. We did another run earlier in the week. So if you're out there and you're looking for some way to help the holiday season, you want to do something special for someone, Toys for Tots could always use help. So if you're local here in Lawrence, you can always drop off toys at any Toys for Tots location. We actually have a, um, a box here at O'Connor Advisory Group. If you want to reach out to me, I can help you with that. Um, if you're in Topeka, if you're in Kansas City, if you're in Denver, if you're anywhere, there's a local Toys for Tots. They can use those presents. It really keeps a lot of young people get to have a present. They get something to put under the tree that they normally wouldn't have for this Christmas. So keep that in mind. That's what the holiday season's all about. No matter what holiday you use, it's about giving for to others, helping those who are in need. So take a moment, think about that. As you're doing the things you normally do uh, this holiday season, keep those people in mind. As I was saying, just do something nice for someone this, this holiday season. You know, there's a lot of those who are less fortunate. And, you know, and even if it's not money, if it's not presents, if it's just time, if it's just, you know, putting your arm around somebody, if it's just being there to be with a friend, this is a holiday season. There's a lot of things that happen in the holidays to people, and we want to, you know, help each other out. So, you know, one of the things we love to do here on the on the, on the pod is, is be positive. So keep that in mind as you're going through things, and um, you know, help somebody out this holiday season. Moving on, I'm going to get into the fun stuff. Uh, what we're going to do? We're going to talk a little football. I'm going to start out with talking about the Chiefs. Um, as we're recording this it's Sunday night, the Chiefs just absolutely killed the Raiders today. Um, just um, a flat incident, if you will. Um, it was just, it was a dominant effort in all phases of the game. The Chiefs were absolutely dominant in every which way, uh, winning the game 48-9. to Um Absolutely could not. I mean, I could believe it. There, the Chiefs are, are really coming around. They're really playing well here in the last month, and uh, this was a dominating performance from the from the from the jump. And um, the, the Chiefs' defense has played spectacular. Uh, you had the big interception and then the touchdown. You know, from the Chiefs' defense to start it out and get that moving, and then you know Mahomes looked a little more comfortable today. Um, what I was most impressed with in the Mahomes piece. Wasn't he was a couple of plays where he got out of the pocket, made a couple of plays that get first downs. They were plays that are the the typical Patrick Mahomes plays, you know, where he uses that arm and that athletic ability. He hadn't seen a lot of that this season, especially when they had that losing streak. And then I think the Chiefs were trying too hard to be cute with some things so that Mahomes didn't do it. I think this week was a really good balance of allowing Mahomes to make a couple of plays, but also just running the football and playing defense and realizing that, hey, once you've got a lead, you not you don't have to sit on the lead, but you can also shorten the game effectively. And you know what? Offensive linemen would rather be run blocking than pass blocking. Believe it or not, offensive linemen like that. It, it's not sit on the lead. It's just running the football, shortening the game. You actually take good care of your offensive line when you do that, too. This week, the Chiefs ran the ball 30 times, 24 passes. So only 54 offensive plays. 
You know, normally you might have 70 or 80 offensive plays in the game. But you know why the Chiefs didn't have that many? Because when you run the ball 30 times, you're running the clock down. That time of possession, they were still in the lead in time of possession. They played great. Um, a lot of things I saw I really liked. And it wasn't just one back, which tells me that Chiefs offensive line started to gel. You know, Gore had nine carries. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 10 carries. Uh, three others had multiple carries. And you have uh, Mahomes with a couple carries in there on scrambles. But that tells me that the offensive line's coming together. They're getting a little more confident. Yes, it was the Raiders, and the Raiders have been pretty bad these last couple of weeks, really since Thanksgiving. But um, keep in mind, I mean, this is going to be a team, this is what the Chiefs needed. They've got coming up, not necessarily tough sledding, but they do have a big game on Thursday night against the Chargers. They then end with the Steelers, Bengals, Broncos, it's going to be important for seeding for the Chiefs to win all four. Um, if they lose to the Chargers, they're actually then really playing for the even just to get um, the division because the Chargers will have caught them and have the tiebreaker. So keep that in mind. So big game coming up for the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs currently are at nine and four. The Chargers are at eight and five. Really, Thursday's game is for the division. I mean, unless there's a surprise and someone beats the Chargers and the Chiefs in the meantime or after that, uh, I suspect that both teams will most likely win out. As I'm looking at the uh, Chargers schedule, they have it easier. They play the Chiefs, then the Texans, the Broncos, the Raiders. So really and truly, the big game for the Chiefs is coming th Thursday night against the Chargers. We'll talk a little more about that one a little bit. So uh, Chargers come off a big win. Uh, at home against the Giants, 37-21. They played very, very well in that game. Uh, I know that people look at 21, and you'll see the Giants score 14 points in the fourth quarter, and they go, oh, wow, they kind of let them back in. You know, a lot of that is just, again, you're not sitting on the lead, but you're running the football, and you're not worried about them scoring that point many points in the fourth quarter when you're already 30 up. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, I... Chiefs-Chargers Thursday night is going to be for the division. It might be the most important game in the NFL up to this point. Chiefs are going to need to win out if they're going to get the division. They're, if they're going to, because again, this, this game right here is the division. After that, you're playing for seeding. The Chiefs are currently sitting tied um, with the Patriots and with the Titans. Uh, all three teams are currently at 9-4. and four. The Patriots just had a bye week. The Titans sitting at 9-4. and four. They had a big win this week. Uh, 20 to nothing against Jacksonville. We're going to talk about Jacksonville here in a few minutes as well. So, um, again, it's, nothing's a gimme from here. Uh, you got to do your work each week, these last four weeks. And that's where I think that extra 17th game is big. I mean, it's... It's something. It, it, you're trying to avoid injuries, everything else. Uh, the team that's healthy right now is really going to be in a positive place. So keep that in mind. I don't think anyone's playing better than the Patriots right now. They can beat you a lot of different ways. Um, it looks like it could be a Patriots-Chiefs kind of, you know, playoff in a way. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they do in those cases. You know, it's, it's not your normal Belichick team. There's no Brady there. But uh, I think Belichick showed 
Uh, I touched on this on the point five. I think Belichick showed why he's the GOAT as far as the head coaches this past week. And what they did on Monday night, that was just crazy to me. Um, so there, that big part of it was with the Chiefs. I think that they're just playing well. Defense has come around for the Chiefs. Four sacks. Uh, they had the Matthew, they had the interception from Matthew, the defensive touchdown. Just, I mean, all around, the Chiefs are clicking. They're going to be a hard out. Let's see how this next week works out. And it's lining up for the Chiefs, honestly. Uh, if they win the game this coming Thursday, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson got hurt this week. I don't know how severe it is. I know he got hurt in the first quarter, did not come back into the game. The Bills couldn't finish the job in the comeback against the Bucks. They were trying and were in a flurry, just couldn't pull it off in overtime. I did read that Josh Allen was in a walking boot after the game. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Patriots on a bye. Uh, we'll see what happens and where they're at. So it's going to be interesting to see how things go from here. So um, a lot going on with the Chiefs and everything else there. want to talk about a couple other things here in the NFL real quick. Um, as I'm looking at things, um, I'm going to talk a little about the, the bottom of the playoff bracket right now. I've said all season, I thought you had to have 10 wins to get in. I, in, the, in the AFC, you might have to have 11. Um, right now, um, and we don't know what's going to happen with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. It left the door wide open once again for the Cincinnati Bengals to come in with Joe Burrow and that offense and the Bengals coaching staff. And, and early on their defense, but really the coaching staff just let that team down completely. Um, that that whole staff has to go. I mean, just they, there has to be a complete and total reboot as far as play calling. Um, who's designing that team? I think the team, as far as the offensive line, they got to keep Joe Burrow upright. So awful there. Uh, Cleveland Browns again. They touched their major bullet this week. In Lamar Jackson getting hurt, and so they get the win against the Ravens, a two-point win, 24-22. Uh, we talked about this on the Jones Report last week when we were picking doing our weekly picks. I picked Baltimore in the game. Baltimore's actually a two-point underdog, and I said, hey, wrong team is the, is the favorite here. Uh, the Browns aren't good. The Browns aren't good because offensively their quarterback is the things. Um, I don't think Baker Mayfield's the franchise quarterback. That's why he hasn't gotten paid yet. I think the Browns are afraid to pull the trigger on that, too. Um, again, I think that this week Baker played well. He might have played as well as he's played since week one. Week one, Baker outplayed Mahomes and played fantastic against Kansas City. They lost that game, but he played fantastic. Um, this week, he played efficient. He played better. Um, they win the game. Baltimore came back late in that game, made it a two-point game, made it close. Again, I think if Lamar Jackson's in that game, I don't think the Browns win that game. So just, um, you know, they're lucky there. The Indianapolis Colts are back in the playoff hunt now. They're sitting at the sixth seed. Right now, Buffalo is now at seven, which is now the lowest seed in the playoff. Uh, the Colts at seven and six. They're two games back in the division of the Titans. I don't see that working out well for them over the last four. Uh, the Titans, as I'm looking at this, play Steelers, 49ers, Dolphins, Texans, while the Colts are going to finish up with Patriots, Cardinals, Raiders, Jaguars. So the Colts are going to have to pull one a rabbit out of their hat these next two weeks. Um, again, otherwise, they split these four games. 
end up going nine and seven, it's probably not enough to get in. So look for that as well. So there's going to be a lot of changes, I think, in there. The other team I'm looking at, and this is the, currently the 10 seed, is the Denver Broncos. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is playing pretty well. He's very solid. They're running the football. They're playing some defense. You know, the Denver, the Broncos are going to end up, their last four, Bengals, Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs. That's a tough road to hoe, as they say. Um, you know, they've got... Two great teams at the end of their end of the season there with the Chargers and the Chiefs. So they're playing for their playoff lives. Um, if they can keep some games close, that's a team that hasn't been playing that poorly. And they've got some, you know, motivation now. I don't know if you saw this past week. Uh, we lost Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas, the former uh, tight end from the Broncos, passed away. Uh, I learned of it on Friday morning. I think it was late Thursday night, early Friday morning. Uh, haven't seen what all the causes were yet, but... I was told it was a medical condition of some kind. Uh, the Broncos honored him pregame today. They dedicated their win, um, their win today as well. Um, I did think it was a really classy thing. So they played the Lions today, one thirty-eight to ten. In that game, the very first play, offensive play for the Broncos, um, they come out with ten men on the field. They had uh, the tight end stay on the sideline, kind of kneel on the sideline. They get a delay game penalty, basically if only having 10 men on the field. And uh, that in honor of Demarius Thomas, you know, saying, hey, we're not a complete team without you. Um, and, you know, always in their hearts. So my thoughts and prayers are with those loved ones, Demarius Thomas, uh, Bronco fans, Bronco Nation. Um, I'm just gone way too soon, Demarius Thomas. So rest in peace. Uh, one classy part of that as well, so they get the penalty. And the Detroit Lions declined the penalty. So... Dan Campbell, Detroit Lions, classy act, dude. Classy fucking act. That's the only cuss word today, I promise. I like Dan Campbell. I hope he gets to keep that job. So uh, that's where, kind of where we're at right now with the AFC and, and some things going on. I think the Chiefs-Chargers game is the biggest game of the season coming up on Thursday night. I don't think that can be overspoken and overset. Um, and again, I think it is setting up nice for the Chiefs. Uh, they're going to need a little bit of help. As far as the Patriots, uh, the Titans will be in there. They're, they're going to need a little bit of help there as well. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting, to say the least. The NFC. Now, we're recording this on Sunday. It's going to come out Monday morning. And Monday night's game, Arizona hosting the Rams. Arizona is 10-2 and two going into the game. The Rams are 8-4. and four. Um the Rams have to have that game if they have any shot at winning the division. They cannot afford to go down three games and have not have a tiebreaker. Cardinals beat them in the first game of the season. So um, the Rams need this to draw within a game, and they won't have a heads-up tiebreaker. It'll come some other kind of tiebreakers there after that. So um, that's a big deal for the Rams. Cardinals are playing great. They're playing fantastic, and they're playing like a one seed right now. Uh, they're sitting at ten and two, uh, again going into Monday's game. Uh, the Packers and the Bucks are sitting at ten and three. Uh, Packers game just finished; they just beat the the Bears. Uh, total dominating performance after the first quarter. Uh, Bears brought everything they could, threw everything at the kitchen, but the kitchen sink at the Packers. Um, they were coached. The Bears were coached tonight, like. Um, like, like they're like, the coach is dead man walking. He's just like, I just throw it out there and let's do it. So, uh, 
but Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. They're hard to beat. Um, man, I like the Packers a lot. And the Bucks. Bucks had a big win at home against the Bills. That game was, it looked like, what, into the third quarter, it looked like the Bills just had given up. They, they were not in that game, that the, the Bucks were too much. And Josh Allen got hot. And Josh Allen showed that he's a top five quarterback in this league. And he, he, he brought him back. They, they go to overtime. Just couldn't quite get it done. Brady does get it done in, in, in the overtime. Bucks win the game. Um, they're the number one. They're the number, what, number three seed now. The three seed now in the NFC. Uh, the Bucks are going to win the NFC South. I've been looking at the question now. They end with Saints, Panthers, Jets, Panthers. So I expect the Bucks to win out. I expect the Bucks to finish fourteen and three. Um, from there, the Packers are going to be. Well, they're going to go Ravens, Browns, Vikings, Lions. I don't know what's where Lamar Jackson is. If he plays, if he plays next week, that's going to be a heck of a game. But no Lamar Jackson, that's going to help the Packers. And I would expect the Packers to go win out there. So have a tiebreaker there, possibly. Cardinals are still one game ahead. Again, going into Monday night's game. After Monday night's game with the Rams, they have Lions, Colts, Cowboys, Seahawks. So the one sort of a bump in the road, if they can beat the Rams Monday night, would be the Cowboys on January the 2nd. So let's see how that goes. I mean, we might be sitting there with three teams in the NFC at 14 and 3, two at 14 and 3, one at 15 and 2. And then you have Dallas in the NFC, uh, in the NFC East, who are now going to be they're three games ahead in their division. Looks like they got the South, they got that division pretty much wrapped up as well. Uh, I don't know if that's done done, but it's close enough that we can call it. And then you have San Francisco. The Rams and Washington all battling for playoff spots right now. The Vikings, Eagles, Falcons, and Saints are all tied with Washington at 6-7. and seven. Uh, Washington wins the tiebreaker as of right now. Again, there's a lot of football left to be played in there, so let's see what happens. Someone's going to sneak in there with you know 10 wins or even maybe even 9. Um, you would think that most of those teams would have to win out the 6 wins to get in. So it'll be interesting to see. Looks like the NFC is a little more top-heavy with those three really, really great teams, Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa. And then I, I just wouldn't bet against the Rams in a one-game situation. Where in the AFC, I really think it's it looks like it's going to be the Patriots and the Chiefs. Um, that's really what I think is going to happen. I'm, just, I'm not betting against Belichick. I'm just not doing it. Uh, I think what he showed us again last Monday night, that he's just, he's just better. He's just better than everybody at that damn job. So that's kind of my takes on the NFL right now, some things going on there. Uh, I do have one other NFL take, actually, that I'm going to come into here. And this is not necessarily a hot take, but um, Urban freaking Meyer. I said I was only going to cuss one time today. Um, Urban Meyer post-game today had a press conference where he – I'm going to have a couple of quotes here. He was asked – there's a, a story going around that he uh, spoke to his staff members and called a number of them losers. Uh, called staff member losers. He said that he did not do that. He did, he, did, he did not say that. Um, 
he said that, uh, this is a quote, if there is a source, that source is unemployed. Talking about people speaking out, speaking uh, behind his back and, you know, out in the public or out to the media. Uh, there was some talk about that this past week with, there was an in, uh, in a situation with Marvin Jones Jr. supposedly having a shouting match with uh, Urban Meyer after Meyer uh, in the media spoke about um, the wide receivers and, and basically blaming some of the play on the wide receivers of the team. This is more bullshit from, from Urban Meyer. Uh, I'm going to go back to the day Urban Meyer got hired here. Urban Meyer gets hired. He brings in Chris Doyle. If you know who Chris Doyle is, Chris Doyle was a strength and conditioning coach. With um, At the time, he was the Iowa Hawkeyes at college level. Was fired at Iowa uh, because some racist terms, the terminology, the verbiage, uh, some behavior, if you will. Uh, Urban Meyer gladly brought him to Jacksonville, put him on the staff. Uh, quickly, he was fired once this information was out there. Urban, uh, Chris Meyer, Chris Doyle was let go. Urban Meyer didn't really have much say in the matter, which is too big of a, of a publicity uh, issue there. Uh, then signing Tim Tebow. I mean, who's going to take you seriously as a head coach in the NFL if you're going to sign Tim Tebow after he hasn't been in the league for seven or eight years and you're going to let him play tight end? Position he's never played before. Um, and that was kind of straight, too. Then, you, of course, there was the Thursday night post-game uh, viral bar incident, we'll call it, where after a Thursday night football game earlier in the year uh, in Ohio, I believe it was against the Bengals, it might have been against the Browns, um, Urban Meyer did not go home with the team, which is what most NFL players and teams do. They go travel together. Urban Meyer decided to stay in town, uh, went to a bar that which he owns. And, of course, we've seen the pictures of the young lady, you know, doing the bump and grind there on Coach Meyer as he's watching a ball game, drinking a beer. Um, again, that's the incident to me that's probably the, the least harmful in the whole thing. The biggest problem I have with that is he didn't go back to the, to the didn't go back to Jacksonville with his team. You're in season homes. You got to get your shit together. So... Uh, I really have a problem with that. The last issue hasn't really been talked about. Now, again, it's, plus we had the viral stuff this week, an argument with Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, just his overall, uh, Urban Meyer's overall, look, uh, just way he speaks with the media. Um, you know, when Bill Belichick speaks to the media the way he does, he's also won five Super Bowls and maybe the greatest coach in the history of the, of the sport. I think you can give him a little bit of leeway. But um, Urban Meyer hasn't earned anything, and I don't think he's definitely not earned any benefit of the doubt. So, um, But here's one thing I don't think has been said, and I think it's important. I'm not even going to talk about Jacksonville's record at 2-11. We knew their roster wasn't very good coming in. We knew they weren't going to be a good team. But they got, last year they were, somehow through the grace of God got, got the first pick in the draft. They were so bad to get the first pick in the draft. And who lands in their lap? Trevor Lawrence. This is the guy that's been the, the golden child since he was in high school. He was a number one overall recruit in the country as a high school senior. Won a national championship at Clemson. You know, won the Heisman Trophy. This, this, this guy is, Trevor Lawrence has done everything you can do. He's the number one pick in the draft. Jacksonville gets him. 
And let's talk about what Jacksonville has done. In 13 games, Trevor Lawrence has had two 300-yard games. He's thrown for over 250 yards only three times. He had a 273 and two 300-yard games. So, again, this is a guy who's supposed to be an elite passer. And instead, what are we seeing? We're seeing the guy who's getting the clamps put down on him. Uh, he's got, through 13 games, his completion percentage is 80, Sorry, 58.2. He's got 2,700 yards. Uh, he, he, it's just been awful. He's averaging 5.9 yards an attempt. Uh, he's thrown 10 interceptions, 9 touchdowns, and been sacked 25 times. Now, I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence probably isn't to blame for some of those. Certainly could be. Not my place to say because I'm not watching every game because, well, I'm not subjecting myself to recreational miserable, miserable, uh, misery like that. But he's, they've, they've treated him, they've uh, played, they have treated Trevor Lawrence like he's a backup, throwaway player instead of a franchise quarterback. The, the games where he has thrown for 300 yards, they won one, they've lost one. Um, the one game they did win where he didn't throw for 300 yards, he was 15 of 26. That was a 9-6 win over Buffalo uh, back in early November. The other win they have against Miami, 23-20 back in October, he went 25 of 41, 319, one touchdown. Um, this is scheme, folks. This is coaching. This is not having an offensive line to block for your for your 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 franchise player. I, he doesn't have targets. He doesn't have receivers. Uh, you know, hell, they ain't got an offense. James Robinson led the league in rushing last year. Or was, I'm sorry, he was second in the league in rushing behind Derrick Henry. And this year, he's getting less carries. He's had 100 less carries through one less game and been awful. That's coaching. That's Urban Meyer. James Robinson, 143 attempts through 12 games last year. I'm sorry, in 14 games last year, he had 240 attempts, rushing attempts. 682 yards rushing. As a team, Jacksonville's rushed for 1,335 yards. That's ridiculous, folks. That's just utter damn Ridiculous. They have one player with more than 500 yards receiving in the season. One. Marvin Jones Jr. sitting at 6'10". 54 receptions. Uh, I see why Marvin Jones is mad at, at Urban Meyer. This ain't the receiver's fault. This is coaching. This is coaching. And if Urban Meyer is supposedly calling his staff losers, then he's a problem. Because you hired them, Urban. That's right. You hired your assistant coaches. If they're losers, it's on you. Urban Meyer needs to go right now. Shad Khan bought this team 10, 10, 12 years ago. Been in the playoffs once. They won two games in that playoff. Since then, haven't been back. They've done nothing. They had Trevor Lawrence dropping their laps. And how do they reward him? By giving him a guy who never developed a quarterback. Let's be honest. 
Urban Meyer didn't develop a quarterback at Ohio State. The best Ohio State quarterback in the NFL is the one that went to LSU for a year and now plays in Cincinnati. So let's not, let's talk about that. Urban Meyer has not been a developer of quarterbacks. He's not a quarterback guru. He's not even he's not even that good a coach. He's shown it. People don't want to. Adults are not going to follow Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer might be able to lead young men, college age kids that he can boss around, that he can yell and scream and pitch it and piss and moan at. But grown ass men aren't going to listen to Urban Meyer. So Urban Meyer, take a flying leap. And Shad Khan, you need to fire your coach immediately. Don't wait till the end of the season. You just lost 20 to nothing in an uninspired performance. Your team has gone down there 2-11. and 11. Do you want anything for your fans to come look at next year? The first thing, the best thing, the best Christmas present the Khan family could do is give Urban Meyer his walking papers. You got plenty of reasons to do it for cause. Laid a few of those out for you earlier, hint to hint. A couple of other things I want to jump into real quick. Um, as you know, if you're a regular listener, I am not a big basketball guy. Um, I'm a football fan first. I'm a football guy first. I uh, also love my baseball. Um, I'll watch a little bit of NBA. We'll talk a little NBA, especially with Token Girl is on on the point five. She's a big uh, – a, a big NBA girl, so we'll talk about that. She's also our college basketball expert. But I had the opportunity to go to the Kansas-Missouri game this past Saturday afternoon. Uh, wife surprised me earlier in the week. She got a couple of tickets through her work, and we decided to go. Had a great time. Allen Fieldhouse never disappoints. Um, as most folks know, I'm not a Jayhawk. I did the 10KU. I've lived here in Lawrence for about 20 years. I like to say I'm Jayhawk adjacent. My wife works for the university. Um, my son is going to eventually be there, hopefully. And you know, and he's a big fan as well. He's grown up here in Lawrence. And, um, you know, I've, I've been resistant over the years. But I'm, like I said, becoming more Jayhawk adjacent. Um, I think a big part is my main man, Coach Q, Coach Quarterbond, who's been on the show, friend of the show, Fred Quarterbond, and uh, kind of get me to come around with the Jayhawks a little bit. Um, got to go to the game Saturday. And I got to tell you, that's a great experience. That is an incredible college basketball game day experience. Um, It was even better with Missouri, you know, the big rival. They get to come back. They're playing the home-and-home thing. Um, And KU fans were hyped for this game. Uh, Kansas and, and, and KU did not disappoint. Uh, came in with Came in with the Thunder. Uh, absolutely demolished, um, I, I just unbelievable, just a, a demolition of Missouri in that game, 102-65. Um, the game wasn't even that close. There was no point where Missouri was close in the game. Um, I will say, I think Missouri went out and played as hard as they possibly could. Um, I just, they just don't have any horses right now. <laughs> Um, you know, that that's a young, young, young team. I'm looking at their roster right now. There are literally, there's only one senior on the Missouri roster. Um, everything else, three, four, five, five freshmen, three sophomores. I mean, they're just, um, uh, yeah, not a very experienced team. And they were, they ran into a buzzsaw at, at Kansas this past week. Um, but I, I got to tell you, I was so impressed with Kansas. 
Um, I've been one of those guys over time who's pointed out when Kansas hasn't looked good. Um, it was a complete and total team effort. It was nice to see a team play as a team. Uh, you don't see that much anymore in basketball at any, le- at any level. And what I mean by that is that so often, whether it's the NBA or, or high-end college basketball, it's not a team but a collection of players, a collection of players who are going to do their own thing. And I, I was really impressed with Kansas this past week. Um, all five starters scored in double digits. Most didn't play most in the second half. Um, I could sit here and go on about most of the players. I'm not going to, but I just was very, very impressed. Um, That's a team that's going to go deep uh, in a a tournament setting. You know, I mean, there's always something that could bite you in the ass in a tournament setting, but um, all things considered, that's a team that's going to go deep, and I would assume is going to be there at the end. Uh, I I really was very impressed with what I saw. And uh, I got to tell you also, Kansas fans really turned out for that game. Obviously, it's Missouri. It's a big deal. There was some Missouri fans there. And I got to tell you, I was really happy to see where Kansas fans were not mocking Missouri fans. They weren't, for the most part, I'm sure there was a knucklehead there or there. There is everywhere. But I didn't see a lot of that this past when that game I was at and in my personal situation there. And um, I just... I was really impressed with that. So I, I wanted to say that. I wanted to put it out there. Um, yeah, I'm going to root for this KU team. I'm going to root for them. Coach Self and that team, I hope they go very far. Um, I hope they get everything they deserve because I was really I was impressed with the overall team, probably more so than I have been any Kansas team in recent memory. Just because, again, I, I don't see a collection of players. I don't see the one star whose light, shines brighter than the rest. I just see a collection of players that play together as a team and they're better as a team. Um, very, very impressed with, with University of Kansas this past week. So uh, congratulations on your big win in Missouri against Missouri. Do it again next year. Kick their ass that that time too. And uh, good luck to you guys for the rest of the season. We'll be talking about it mostly on the point five. Uh, when Token Girl comes on, she'll talk all about Kansas uh, me personally, I don't do a lot of basketball until football season's over. That's just me and who I am. So we'll get into that. Um, got two little college football things and uh, then going to actually three little ones. And then we're going to try to get out of here. Uh, first, big ups to Navy. Navy beat Army. And I like to call this America's game. Uh, Army-Navy is a special game. And... Um, I root for Army every year. My father was in the Army, uh, so that was something he always was into. So I rooted for Army. I picked Army on the Jones Report. Navy showed us. Uh, Navy has not had a great year, and they came out and won that game. So congratulations to Navy in winning that game. Uh, and, and bless everybody who presented that game, all of our troops out everywhere, and for those young men who uh, represent themselves very well in the Army-Navy game. Thank you, and our hats are off to you. Two last things I want to talk about, college football-related. Um, one, it, I want to go with Miami first. Okay, University of Miami just hired former Oregon coach Mario Cristobal to be their new head coach. Great hire, I think. Um, 
Chris Doble's the a former Miami player. He has been an assistant coach there. He is he knows Miami. There's a big push at Miami in this time in this era of NIL, the name, image, and likeness, to go back to being the U. You know, a lot of schools now are getting a lot of money from third parties. You know, whether for to give to play that are given directly to players to pay players. There's an MMA gym, for instance, in Miami that sponsors an entire roster of players. Um, and again, it's just a it's a little something to entice recruits to go. As you know, a lot of college football, like college basketball, is recruiting. It's about getting players, and that's going to help. I think we're going to see a lot more of that from Miami. There is a big push amongst their donors to, you know, get this money and. A lot of them have come into a lot of money. Miami is a place that is, uh, you know, forward-thinking and hip, and a lot of that crypto money has, you know, made some rich millionaires and some rich even richer and some super rich even super more richer. And where are they going to spend that money? Well, they might spend it on the U, and I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see some of these NFL players come back, spend a little money on getting some of these kids in there, you know, they can't pay them directly, but there's always a way of sponsorships and businesses and these sort of things. The NIL, we'll talk about, I think we might talk about that on the point five a little bit this week. The NIL is working. And um, I think that Miami's one of those spots where the NIL rules are going to help a coach recruit. And uh, Cristobal's a good coach. But my only problem here, it's not the hire, it's not the NIL stuff, it's none of that. Here's my problem. Miami didn't fire their coach. They did not fire Manny Diaz, their head football coach, until early last week when the university had agreed to hire Cristobal. When they made the arrangement and signed the contract with their new coach, they then fired the current coach. I got a little bit of a problem with that. I have a problem with that because it sure looked like if Coach doesn't leave Oregon and decides he's going to stay at Oregon that Manny Diaz keeps his job. And here's why I have a problem with that. If you're going to fire somebody, if they haven't done their job well enough, and you're going to fire somebody, you have every right as an employer to do that. If I haven't done my job well enough, you don't think I'm doing well, fire me. Luckily, I work for myself. I'm not going to fire myself anytime soon. But I do have a problem with hiring someone's replacement without firing the person they're replacing. How does that make you feel as a coach? How can you do your job effectively to go out and recruit players, to coach players, to work with the administration, to work with sponsors and everything else when everyone knows that person's only on that staff because this other guy didn't take the job. So I got a real problem with that with Miami. Now, I'll get over it. I'm sure everybody else will too. Um, Manny Diaz has landed on his feet. He is now the new defensive coordinator at Penn State. That's a great job. James Franklin, they'll do great there. Uh, so, again, not going to lose any sleep over it, but... I did think it was kind of a shady thing to do. And so I, I wanted to voice my opinion on that. 
So uh, again, congratulations, Mario Cristobal. You're going to get a huge raise. You're going to go to Miami. You get to stay in the warm weather. All that good stuff. It's going to be a little easier to recruit now. Bring back the U. Let's have a U part three, 30 for 30 in 10 years. And let's talk about all the money that got spent on these young men. And uh, let's see what happens. So you got a job to do. Y'all get it done. Last thing, then we're going to cut the uh, pot off today. But uh, last thing, uh, Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama, wins the Heisman Trophy. Congratulations, young man. Well-deserved. He is who I would have voted for. They don't give me a Heisman vote. Not that I'm not deserving. I just I know more about football than most of those guys do. Uh, when I heard that Poppy from Highly Questionable had a vote, I started campaigning for my own vote because – I like Gonzalo uh, Lebertard, but I know more about football than he does. Frankly, I think I know more about football than a lot of those guys do that have votes. Um, but um, here was my question, my wonder about the Heisman Trophy. Has any award become less valuable over time than the Heisman has? It seems that we really don't care about the Heisman anymore. And I, I have an opinion as to why. I don't think it's... Uh, a problem with the winners. I don't think it has anything to do with the system or the voting or anything else. I think it's just the evolution of things. The evolution of how we see sports, how we um, are, are, are having our sports experience now. If you think back, I'm 45 years old. And when I think back to uh, my high school and college years, so my teens and my 20s, we couldn't watch every game. And the voting was very regionalized even 20 years ago, more so 40 years ago, uh, when you had the votes in the Southeast. People from the, you know, the writers and the people who had votes in the Southeastern Conference area, they rarely, rarely voted for anyone outside the SEC because they didn't see anybody else. If you were in the Midwest, somewhere like Kansas, for instance, well, who did you see? You saw. The Texas teams, you saw Oklahoma, you saw Nebraska at their height. Maybe you saw some of the Big Ten teams like Ohio State and Michigan, but you didn't get to see a lot of everything. Well, now we can see every game. Every game's televised. We can see every game and every player. And every player, unless you're playing at the top, tippy top places like in Alabama, like an Ohio State or an LSU, unless you're at those places, you have to be perfect to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, last two years, Alabama players. The year before that, Joe Burrow from LSU. Uh, we are seeing that what is actually happening is not necessarily the best player in college football is winning the award, but instead the most impactful player on the best team. That's okay. I don't see a problem with that. But I also see that we've got, I don't know, this situation where now this, the award doesn't have the cachet it once did. There's almost mythological piece to it. Um, think about it when you see these Nissan commercials. <coughs> Pardon me. And you see these Nissan commercials and they have all the past Heisman winners. You know, guys like, you know, Bo Jackson. And Eddie George, and these guys, you see these guys and you go, wow, I remember how great they were. They were great over a longer period of time. 
and we only really saw highlights, a few games aside, we really only saw like highlights of these players. So no matter what, they were always great. But now, you know, and, and it, the, the Heisman also was not a indication of how great a pro you were going to necessarily be. You know, Kyler Murray wins the Heisman a couple of years ago, and it almost took him to the number one pick in the draft all by itself. It was saying, oh, wow, this guy is going to be the number one pick. You know, I know there was a little something with Kyler Murray with baseball and that sort of thing helped him, you know, almost kept him out of being number one pick. But he, you know, did that with football instead. But we know who these players are. We know who Joe, we knew Joe Burrow was going to be great. We knew that, you know, um, we know right now that Bryce Young is going to be a hell of a pro player. Devontae Smith is going to be a great player in the NFL. These are high draft picks. They're high picks. Where if you go back and you look at guys like Charlie Ward, uh, Ken Dorsey, Ty Detmer, these guys were not great NFL players if they made the NFL at all. I mean, Detmer did. But L. Charlie Ward went to the NBA. And he went to the NBA because he realized he just wasn't big enough a football player. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You know, better get to the NBA and get your money, you know. I think everybody would choose the NBA if they had if they had the ability to play the NBA or the NFL. Yeah, I don't think they're beatings either. <laughs> but but uh, at the same time, um, I think that it's taken away from the award. Not that it's a bad thing either. I don't think anything could save the Heisman, quote-unquote. Um, I just think it's just another award. It's another Player of the Year award. It's no different than anything else now. There's no uh, mystique to the award anymore. That shouldn't take away from the accomplishment that Bryce Young had this year. He played phenomenal. He's definitely deserving. Uh, he's a player that from week one to the last week of the season seemed to improve every week. He helped his team win. Congratulations, young man. Uh, have a you know good luck in the playoff. And uh, I hope that you have another chance to repeat as Heisman Trophy winner next year. Um, and uh, again, congratulations. That's going to do it for the O'Connor, for the Coach Bono's podcast today. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Tyler Jones and Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. Thanks, bud. I appreciate you. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate every five-star rating. I cannot explain or even take the time to tell you what it means, but it really is helpful. Come back, check in on us this week on Friday. Token Girl, Ellen Wigginter will be on. We're going to talk. Uh, we'll talk football. We'll talk the Chiefs game. Chiefs game Thursday night. We'll talk about it on Friday. And uh, we'll have some you know fun stuff with the holidays coming up as well. So some stories to tell and all that good stuff. So until next time, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. We'll see you on the Pod the Point Five Pod. A happy holidays. And hey, do something special for somebody else this week. Get it done. Have a great week.